Hi everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the Industry 5.0 Leaders podcast, which is a podcast hosted by the initiative Young Manufacturing Leaders and Chalmers University of Technology. This is the podcast for you who are interested in, for example, manufacturing, digitalization, skills, sustainability, and the redesigning of supply chains, which are all buzzwords in this new era of manufacturing as we move towards Industry 5.0. Hi, my name is Caroline. And my name is Agnes. And, and we, we are, are your hosts in this episode. In November, we had the honor to attend the World Manufacturing Forum 2023 in Treviglo, Bergamo. At the forum, we met leaders from all over the world and took part of really interesting discussions regarding new business models for the manufacturing of the future. We had the opportunity to interview some really inspiring people, and in this episode, some of them will share their thoughts. Enjoy the interview! So, give us an introduction of yourself and the company you work for. Okay, so my name is Noriko Suzuki. I work for IBM Institute for Business Value. My role is an um, uh, industry leader for automotive, electronics and energy. Very nice. Uh, with a growing focus on sustainability, how is your company addressing environmental concerns in its manufacturing processes? Okay, so IBM is very committed to environmental sustainability and then we have net zero uh, target goal uh, I don't remember which year, but uh, we are uh, uh, we have very ambitious target on that. And also, uh, as a uh, as a company, we are offering a, a lot of sustainability-related solutions from a digital perspective. For example, uh, you have to measure uh, CO2 CO2 to um, uh, you know, tackle the goals, right? So, uh, and then the information is very difficult. Uh, information is very critical part of the process. So uh, we provide uh, the, the suite of uh, solutions to um, uh, measure the uh, CO2 emissions for the corporations. So, uh, for example, that's one of the examples that uh, uh, IBM is offering uh, to, to the manufacturing companies. What do you see as the most uh, significant trends influencing the manufacturing industry today? Okay, so as I talked in the panel discussion today, if we talk about automotive industry, electrification is one big uh, technology influence uh, that's happening today. And another one is that the car is becoming more software-defined. Those two trends are most uh, kind of industry-shaping trend in the next five to ten years. Okay, so the next question. Do you think that initiatives that include young people in manufacturing are important? And if so, why? So I think... The uh, manufacturing industry provides a lot of opportunity for young people. Uh, you know, the manufacturing industry is everywhere in the world, and in, uh, even if the digital technology is becoming mainstream, you cannot live only with digital technology. You have to have surrounded by the uh, stuff or machines to make your life happen. So uh, the manufacturing industry continues to provide opportunity, and then it's also innovative industry too. So I really encourage um, young students to enter in this field. Really nice. Yeah. Okay, and the last, is there anything you would like to say to the young people and young leaders listening? The message for the young people is, uh, uh, you know, you should try to challenge yourself, you know, uh, to the maximum, uh, I have um, college college age saw myself, and I always encourage him to try something new. You know, uh, maybe you know, you, everything you try may not result in successful 
you know, you may have some failures and mistakes, but uh, you learn a lot from the, those mistakes. And it's better to make mistakes earlier in your life than later in your life. Okay, so give us an introduction to yourself and the company you work for. So my name is Andrew Lynch. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer with Irish Manufacturing Research, IMR, which is the largest independent manufacturing RTO in Ireland. Companies that are involved with members like Intel, Pfizer, Boston Scientific, Dell, Johnson & Johnson, and over 300 small to medium-sized Irish manufacturing entities. Manufacturing. Your generation is going to inherit a whole pile of rubbish from my generation around green sustainability. So I think it's an obvious answer. You'll get it from everyone you're interviewing, I'm sure. This is something that we need to tackle in a very real way, not just the output of the products that manufacturing is, is making and putting into the world, but also the processes by which we use that right back to the minerals that we are, we are digging out of the ground. So when we look at uh, green, green initiatives, green tech, we think solar panels, but we don't really think of boron, for example, or any of the carbons, the rare metals and so on, which are mainly coming from China. They can come from other regions as well, outside of Europe. We don't have the capacity or the capability uh, in the European continent to access these types of minerals. So we're driving an initiative that is critically dependent on raw materials that we do not have access to. So when we talk about recycling and and I suppose circularity and so on. It's not just from do the right thing for the planet perspective, it's very necessary from a commercial perspective. We need to be able to get access to these and the most efficient way of doing that is to take some of the batteries that we're using as the largest trading block on earth and be able to use those in our processes going forward. I think all of that ability to tackle this is going to be driven by digital, it's going to be di driven by a, a reality from a commercial perspective and it's going to be fostered by policy at a European level. So if you look at the trifecta there, there's a commercial drive on this, there's a knowledge element from academia to be able to do this, there's a digitization requirement to be able to do this and there's a policy initiative incentive be that taxation for those who don't versus uh, help from a grant aid perspective to those who do. How important is collaboration with other stakeholders such as academia, research institutions and other industry in driving innovation in manufacturing? It's critical. It's absolutely critical. Uh, I think from a European perspective, and this is where I'm coming from, we don't have enough people. I'm looking at two young people here, but there's less of you than there was of me and there's less of me than there was of my parents. We don't have enough people to drive this initiative. So if we think of the journey we need to take here, if we think of the digital automation services that we've just seen here at the World Manufacturing Forum, Panel 5, for example, very, very interesting discussion on what it is we need to do. If you want to go far, you need to go together. And we need to go far. We've got a long journey to take on this. And that skill set is not going to come from any one corporation, no matter how big it is. It's not going to be involved in any startup, no matter how innovative it is. It's not going to come from any academic institution, no matter how deep their knowledge. It's going to come from all of us working together. We need the entrepreneurial base to drive the requirement. We need the reality of the commercial aspect to be there because all of this is without value unless we can find a customer who's willing to pay for that product or service. 
we know that that needs to be clever. We know that it needs to be done in a very innovative way. We need systems to talk to one another, not just supply chains in a linear sense talking to themselves. And I think all of that begets all of us as a society to make sure that this works for us and it cannot be done by any one entity. The only way to do it is in a collaborative sense. And even in a very cutthroat environment from America, for example, we're now beginning to see per Obama's initiative a number of years ago for 17 institutes, as we heard yesterday, um, this idea that can we get the top 100 companies working with the top 10 universities in institutions and make that collaborative. And they saw that as a short-term view three to five years and now we're seeing these being invested in again and again and again because it creates more jobs, it makes more sense and that's that's in a very modern country in our eyes. Whereas we've been doing this with Fraunhofer in Germany for example and organizations like myself in Ireland where you can see this as adding tremendous value to the economies that they represent. Good answer. So uh, in light of recent global uncertainties, what measures is your company taking to enhance business resilience and adaptability? So business resilience is a really difficult thing. It's a bit like innovation. What exactly is it and how does it apply to me and where am I going? So in Ireland, the IMR, my own group, is looking at enabling manufacturing companies on the island to work together towards this end. A resilient company, I think, in a number of years will be a company that's digital, that it's green, and that it's it's, it's able to adapt to the environment. The best example of resilience that I've heard is this idea of a Scrabble. If you know Scrabble, which is made up of individual letters. Rather than your society being able to have a tree, T-R-E-E, -E, for example, you want the individual letters to be available and that you can orientate those letters in any way you want in order to give you exactly what it is you need at that particular time. So that idea of having something that's that's modular, that's incredibly flexible, that's connected and is doing so in a very intuitive way is far better for your economy than having something that's deep-rooted and intransient and is really, really good at something. For my generation, we looked at the Metastand companies in Germany as being deep-dive experts in a particular realm, which has served them very well for a number of generations. Now we're seeing a transition from that. We need to see more flexibility. That deep-dive expertise has got to be added to a completely rethink on how that business model works and how they can be ultra ultra, ultra adaptive to what the customer's needs are. In servitization, for example, you see one of the core tenets as being this ability to understand the pain point that your customer has. And in order to do that, you need to graft very closely to their experience. So that in this case, as we saw from Cook and ABB, if a machine goes down, the pain of that going down is shared not just by the, the person who owns the machine, but rather the provider of the machine itself. In order to do that, you need to very closely mimic what exactly their business model is, what their processes are, etc. So all of that mapping puts you an awful lot closer to your customer, exposes you a little bit to the problem statements they have, but makes you way more invaluable in their process. And this idea of systems talking to systems multiplies that by a factor of X. It's exponential in terms of where it is. So the use of AI, for example, isn't just this esoteric commentary that we hear coming from. It's basically the utilization of those optimization models and to do that in a flexible, coherent manner that doesn't require as much human input as optimization models are taking at the moment in a linear sense. The human mind would struggle computationally to be able to understand that type of efficacy, whereas we know that AI 
AI would support this process if set up in a, in a coherent manner. And lastly, would, uh, is there anything you would like to say to young leaders and young people listening? Young leaders and young people listening, I guess, look, manufacturing is fantastic. When I was growing up, we had Lego and we had Meccanos and we were building stuff and that gets beaten out of you in school. And then if you're good at maths, you're a geek and you're put into this process, etc. And I think science and engineering and all these uh, elements are, are, are not as cool as MBAs and business and going into, um, I guess, you know, influencer type lifestyles and so on. But I think this is a real, real opportunity. Every young person I've met here today is... CEO of some startup is looking at developing out a business model and I think as manufacturing and engineering opens up when we consider where engineering is going and we look at the breaking down of the walls what we would have seen traditional companies that provide services and models to, to organizations they do that in a walled sense they look at putting piece of product, be it a piece of automation equipment, into a building, and then they surround it with their software. And if you put in a different machine, it won't talk to their software. We can see huge changes coming over the next number of years, which will remove all of that. And the apps that I have on my phone, which manage my travel, for example, or my, my boarding passes going on airplanes, or my money in a bank, or whatever it is, all of those apps are are created by individuals to service a specific need for me as, an, as a person. If you translate that opportunity into what companies are going to be looking at in an individual sense, what you're going to find is a proliferation of these smaller companies because the platform on which these, these apps, if you like, going forward are going to sit in an engineering sense are going to be cheap, they're going to be ubiquitous and they're going to be accessible to all. And all that means for me is that there is a massive opportunity. This is like the Wild West of, of manufacturing. This is an inflection point that in a hundred years time, historians will look back and say, that's when it all changed. And you're the generation that's going to benefit that from that most. You're the generation that is going to drive that the most. You're the generation that's going to change everything. I'm at the end of the physical automation, optimization, generations that, that saw that in a straight line. We're going to look at the value of work. We're going to look at why I would be engaged in work. We're going to look at the value as a person to change the planet, to change how things are done, instead of being told to get on a line and make that line faster. It, it, is, a, it is a structural change. It's a historic change. It's a, it's a huge change for the human being, particularly in light of what AI. Is AI going to be a servant or a god? And these are decisions for your generation. So I think it's an incredibly exciting time for, for, for all of you. And, you know, I'm jealous that I'm not 40 years younger, to be very honest. It's, it's a fantastic opportunity for you. Would you like to give us an introduction yourself and the company you work for? First, thank you for this opportunity. It's a very great pleasure to, to be here today with our audience. I'm Luca Torelli. I'm part of YML, so Young Manufacturing Leader in the city of Bombolano. I'm Italian, but since one year and a half, I'm part of this graduate talent program based in Paris. And I work for eyewear leader uh, that is called Essilor Luxotic, a French-Italian company. So we are uh, producing lens and frames, and we are the worldwide leader in this sector. So I'm a graduated management engineering at Politecnico di Milano, and since one year and a half I am working in this company before like project manager in supply chain for EMEA region. And currently I'm covering a new position like EMEA Eric's project manager officer and also in charge of supply chain transformation in EMEA region, but with a particular focus in Mita, so Middle East, uh, Turkey and Africa region. So I'm in charge to receive uh, with my manager the footprint uh, of operation in this region. So 
with their growing focus on sustainability, uh, how is your company addressing um, environmental concerns and its uh, manufacturing processes? So Essilor Exotica is a pioneer company uh, concerning the sustainability. Sustainability and also circular economy, I would add if I can, is one of the strategic pillars of the company and also part of its business growth strategy. So it's involving with several initiatives, Eyes on Carbon, Eyes on the Planet initiatives, in order to foster among the company activities sustainability as part of its core uh, business. So what he's doing is trying to to be carbon neutral in its operation within Europe by 2030. So uh, among these, I can say that for France and Italy, at the moment we are carbon neutral and we are trying to emphasize to reduce our carbon emission in the next year. So what is the company is doing, not only on environmental sustainability, but also on the social impact on the company in the area and the region where we operate. From a social standpoint, uh, the company has a foundation that is called OneSite. We're investing a lot and is a third-party organization uh, founded a couple of years ago by patron Mr. Duvecchio that is trying to uh, reduce the myopia and some optical uh, issues that worldwide we, increase, uh, we saw that increased a lot during the years. So uh, personal commitment on sustainability is also part of my journey within the company and I'm personally trying to foster this pillar with a strong commitment and support of the company. What do you see as the most significant trends in blessing the manufacturing industry today? So what uh, we're discussing during the World Manufacturing Forum these days, I think two main uh, topics are highly discussed today in manufacturing. So first is the circulation of talents and how to attract talents uh, in our manufacturing environment. And the second topic, how diversity, like gender diversity, cultural diversity can boost innovation and in the end how can generate a business growth in manufacturing sectors. That I think is two elements we have to take in consideration in order to boost uh, in Europe innovation and to be the pioneer uh, to be a manufacturer uh, move forward and also to emphasize the strategic uh, strategic positioning of Europe in this sector. Uh, to conclude, to answer to this question, I would add that it's really important to follow the trend of sustainability and also resilience. We cannot uh, compete anymore without taking into account risk mitigation action and to be agile with the new, ex new change we are facing today since the pandemic. Now there is crisis in terms of war, before in Ukraine, and now we are seeing in Israel. So we have to be handle, we have to handle all these issues and problems and manufacturing as to taking more than other sectors into account. Do you think that initiatives that include young people in manufacturing are important? And if so, why? Absolutely. So uh, manufacturing is completely transforming its journey. So I think young manufacturing leader initiative is extremely important because are the young generation and new leaders that will guide and will drive the change. Without young people like us and our colleagues, we will, could not reshape uh, the new environment and the new future. We are responsible for this change and we have to put all our commitment in order to reshape our future and reshape uh, for a better world. So the motto and the one of 
a repeating sentence in our companies, uh, my company, Acerolusotica, is see more to be more. So I also try to reshape in this conference, and I think we have to, uh, to emphasize the role of young people, young manufacturing, young engineers, but not only, in order to provide to future generation a better world. Yeah. And for the last question, is there anything you would like to say to the young leaders and young people listening? So first of all, join the one manufacturing leader, wherever you are from. So uh, today we have a big community, 41 countries involved in this amazing project led by the European Union and all the city of Gothenburg, Milan, we have uh, some representative of Spain, Pais Bascos and so on. So we would like to strengthen this partnership and only with diversity and also a different culture we are able to grow and we would like to grow together for shaping a better world. Thank you so much for your contributions. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It's a really pleasure to be here with you and also trying to lead a better future altogether. Thank you so much Noriko Suzuki, Andrew Lynch and Luca Torelli for your contributions and taking time. It was really interesting to hear your ideas and insights. Don't forget to check out the network Young Manufacturing Leaders on the website youngmanufacturingleaders.org. That's it for now. Thank you for listening and hope you check out the upcoming episodes.